Bam. We're live. My mom told me you have nice features. Have you ever heard that before? Mm, not in its entirety. I usually just hear that I have nice eyelashes, but that's it. Oh, yeah. Maybe she did say something about your eyes. Maybe she said something about your eyes, but she mm -hmm. said you had nice features. I couldn't tell if she really meant that or like that's the kind of thing you say to someone when you're trying to dig to give them a compliment. Yeah, it's like a bless her heart kind of thing. Yeah, like, oh, my God. It's such nice features. You're 450 <laughs> pounds and five foot two. It looks uh, like an idiot. Uh, Mr. Steve, good morning. Good morning. What's up, guys? Hey, Steven or Steve? Steve's fine. Steve's fine. What does your mom call you? <clears throat> My mom calls me Steven, but <laughs> but that kind of uh, that's the uh, what do you the exception that defines the rule type thing. Uh oh, I better write that down. He well, like no, it's already. not like an offensive thing. It's just that uh, it was always Steven at the house, but then once I made friends, it was Steve. No matter how much I insisted the other way, so. I, Around high school, I just gave up. Yeah. My name's Sevon, but um, I have friends who are like I've had for like 10 years, and then and they call me Savon. And then one day they hear my name said, right, Sevon. And they're like, holy shit, why didn't you ever tell me? I'm like, dude, when you have a name like this, like you don't – you stop correcting you people. You just like, stop. Yeah. Yeah. Just let people do their thing. But we're friends. I know. I know. I know. I know we're friends, but I like – I have low expectations. Uh, um. Steve, this is uh, Caleb. What's up, Caleb? Hi, Steve. How you guys doing? Dude, living the dream. Crazy. Rubbing shoulders with dudes who are 10 and 0 in Bellator. When when wrestling with my dog, I feel like I have to, before I do that, I check my insurance to make sure it's up to date. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts what you do. Um. Why is uh? Why are you listening to Steve Mowry? Here, there, there's a bunch of reasons. He's a young man. He wasn't. Uh, uh oh, he's a young man. He um. Shall I wait for him to come back before I flatter him? Yeah, maybe. His picture's gone. Steve, can you hear us? You vanished. He stepped on his router. Yes, Kevin Smith. Bam. That is correct. Bam. There Bam. he is. You got to ask connection, Steve. I got Caleb. How about me? Oh, never mind. I put gel on my hair. I hope you have me. <laughs> you prepared I, for this? I look nothing like I look. Like, if you look at me on this show, I look nothing like this the rest of the day. I got Caleb again. <laughs> oh. Is it his internet connection that's fucked up? I think it's probably his. He, he's pretty laggy. But he doesn't have me. Mine looks good. Oh, darn it. Uh-oh. Can we bring him back? There he is. Good morning. I second that bam. Good. A second bam. That's always nice. Hey, Steve, is that your internet connection that's jacked up? Can you move to a different spot? Look at someone... Someone wrote, like and subscribe CEO and the Sevon Podcast t-shirts are now available for pre-order. Did you do that, Caleb? I did not. I just hopped off my Wi-Fi. More often than not, I feel like if you <clears throat> just use your data, and I have an unlimited data plan, so I was like, you know what? Let's just This guy's got it made. I appreciate it. Are you on your phone? Yes. Okay, cool. Um so there this is why this is why you're listening to the show today besides the fact that I put hair gel in um 
Steve is 10 and 0 in Bellator. He is a young man. He is a heavyweight and he was um fighting was not well. He he his parents didn't raise him to be a fighter. Oh, I, well we'll find out. Maybe they didn't. They don't know they did. <laughs> Maybe they started beating him at a young age. They didn't know the implications. Maybe but, the the harder they steered me away from it, the more I wanted to lean into it. Do not go to the Catholic girls. Do not talk to the Catholic <laughs> girls. Yes, dad. Um, and, um, and, and you popped on my radar because you went, uh, you went a few rounds with, uh, Nikki Rodriguez, who's a regular on our show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you popped on my radar and I'm a huge, obviously UFC fan and I would be a huge Bellator fan, except there's only so many fucking hours in the week, but I have, I do have some favorites over there at Bellator and, um, uh, Dalton Rasta. I don't know if you know who that is. Oh, I grew up with Dalton Rasta. Yeah. What? I got Dalton Rasta and I, when we, when I first started Dalton and I trained at the same gym back in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, this was, I met him probably 10 years ago. <clears throat> this was, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and speaking of upbringings, totally different upbringing than you. In what, in what sense? Um, you, you know, I, his mom and dad, you have two educators as parents, right? Teachers. Uh, my dad's a teacher. My mom's a nurse. Yeah. Okay. And, and and he grew up more like, hey, it seems like from knowing his background, he, he is like, hey, I got to raise myself early. Like he had a fucking tough upbringing. Yeah. Okay. In that sense, then, yeah. Yeah. Dalton did have a rough go of it. I mean, I don't know Dalton. Like we, we're not super, super close, but I've known him a long time. And what I do understand was that, yeah, his his childhood was a little bit, a little bit different than mine. Yeah, he's 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 fighting to survive. He's one of those kids that like, hey, I better be good at sports so other people like me. I have a lot of friends like that. Like, yeah. you know, you grow up in a trailer, you want to take a shower at night, and so fucking you better do good at sports so the other parents invite you over to their house so you can shower. That's right. <laughs> um, I'm sure you've talked about this subject ad nauseum, but I I have to go here. Um, when do you know you're tall? So just to just to put it in perspective, I'm five five, and I didn't know I was short until I went to college. And like other guys, would be like, "That girl will never go out with you." I'm like, "Why?" They're like, "Dude, she's four inches taller than you." I'm like, "What?" Oh, when do you find out that you're tall? How old are you? I still don't even really uh, fully realize it sometimes until I see myself in pictures. And then when I see myself in pictures, I'm like, I'm like, God damn, <laughs> there's a lot more of me than all these other people. Wow, that's awesome. How old are you? I'm 29. Oh, that is so good to hear. And um, when you wait, oh yeah, <laughs> wow. So, so you look at that picture. That's a full size human you're standing next to. That's yeah, she is. That's my fiance. <laughs> she is five foot four, and uh-huh. uh, the way she talks to me, you would think she's the six eight, two hundred fifty pound professional fighter. Um, you have <clears> that's a baby. why I said it, it takes me a while. It takes me seeing myself in pictures to realize because I'm like, God damn. So the way she, especially when she wakes up, it's like the fucking boldness you just came at me with. It's fucking reckless. I went to bed with a young lady. I woke up with a dragon. That's right. It's like a Disney movie. <laughs> um, uh, and you have a baby. I do. How old's your baby? I have a, she'll be, she'll be seven months tomorrow. That's awesome. Congratulations. Just, even still seeing that picture, that was um, her baby shower. And that was. That was like, I'm trying to think, that was like five weeks before she was born. So it's like even seeing it is like, man, that feels like just the other day that we were doing all that, like getting ready and setting everything up. But now you can't imagine a life without a kid, right? 
Absolutely not. And I remember being so like frazzled whenever I found out it was happening. I was like, I was like, man, I don't even have a house yet. And like, you know how it is. You, you have this vision of your life whenever you're younger and you know, oh yeah, you have this vision of your life whenever you're young, where uh, you're like, well, whenever I have kids, we're going to be married and I'm going to have a seven bedroom mansion and I'll have three giant tables that will protect the house and I'll have four cars. And yeah, I mean, you know how it goes. You just construct yes. this thing in your head, but here's me at whatever. I was uh, 28 years old <clears throat> and uh, my my fiance now tells me, you know, I'm pregnant. And it was like, no, the, the, everything's wrong. Everything's not right. <laughs> and now, and now here I am in my life and I, I really couldn't imagine anything. I really couldn't imagine my life any other way. And I would, I would fight until my hands fell off to keep it that way. It is pretty amazing that you're 10 and 0 as a heavyweight. I, the people outside, I mean, I, I don't even know how many fight fans realize that, let alone people outside the world. It's a, um, because of the sheer power that you guys have and how big you are, really, it's, I mean, they say that about all fighting, but really in your weight class, anything can happen, right? Mm hmm. Um, I was even watching one of your fights the other day against uh, Darian Abbey, and the commentators had already called you a loss, and 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 you won the fight, and it's and like won holy the fight. shit, yeah. And Darian Abbey's a good friend of mine now, so we still sometimes have a good laugh about, um, we still have a good laugh about how, the way the fight played out, the way everything had happened. Um, and fun fun fact: if you dug, you'd you'd be able to if you really looked into it. But I actually. Don't remember the fight at all. Don't remember any of it. I remember, um, I mean, I made the walkout. We walked out, touch glove, and then <clears throat> I'm in the locker room taking off my shorts, and uh, I have my check in my hand. And the only way, the reason I knew I won was because I looked at the the amount on the check. So I'm like, wait a minute. And it then everything was like, it was just this intense blur of like, I realized that I had lost, you know, 20 minutes of my life that I didn't remember. And I was like, wait a minute, guys. <laughs> of course, it was, I was freaking out. I almost had a, like a panic attack. I was like, wait, did I win? Did I win? And they're like, yeah, you won. What's wrong? And I was like, did I win? And it, it went on for like 20 minutes. I'm showing everybody my, I won, right? And then the, the commission was there too. So they were like, yeah, we're going to get this guy to the hospital. Like everybody was like, what do you mean? Yeah, of course you won. And I was like, and then they, they had to pull up the – they pulled it up on a phone, and I had to watch it again. And I was like, all that just happened? It was crazy. It was just, Even when I think back, it was like uh, – <clears throat> like I imagine – like we touch gloves, and then it's like this weird like – you know those dreams that like where you, you don't even realize how tired you are and you fall asleep? You have a weird whirlwind dream, and you wake up, and you're like, what the fuck? It was like that almost. Yeah. And exactly. even now thinking back about it, I still have – Darian and I still have a good laugh about it. <clears throat> Um, does your mom know this story? I hope not. <laughs> yeah, this is not one if you're a parent you want your to No, hear. certainly not. Um what what happened in that fight? This isn't my intention to go here, but what happened in that fight? Did you just come out a little slow and cold like if you had a little bit. that yeah, like you're like he just went 0 to 100 and you're like damn it, I'm I'm like at 90. Yeah, kind of. Um that was something that um, I, think, I always wonder that about fighters, by the way, like if the other guy comes out at a hundred and you weren't ready at a hundred, th then, then you're kind of fucked. You're playing catch up for the first 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. And you, we see that sometimes. Um, I think that like the, there, there seems to be like a, a general misunderstanding of how like pace plays out in a fight. And it's, you know, the, uh, 
that like the higher the level of the the fight goes or whatever the participants of the the fight are in the slower the pace of it'll be but that's not the case i think that some guys you know try to use the pace as a weapon some guys they'll take note of how other guys start so they'll try to start fast and um <clears throat> i think so like in that fight not to take anything away from darian you know he came out ready to rock he came out ready to win um, I did come out a little bit flat, which was something that, especially up to that point in my career, was something that had – it was something that bothered me about myself, but it was I was just kind of resigned to it. And it was, you know, oddly enough, it was Darian that made me stop and think, like, okay, I need to take charge of this if I wanted to change. Like, I'd always just kind of been like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'll figure it out in the fight. I'll let – you know, once I wake up, I get going. And um, not much longer later, <clears throat> my coach was like, yeah, look, dude, like, that's not really how it works. If I need you to start fighting, I need you to start the fight. And then like come out and it's the second round already. Come, come out and fight. Come out. And yeah. When the bell rings, you're ready to tear somebody. What do you do? Do you think do you have to think, OK, there's someone with a knife to my mom's throat or like do you have to play some sort of head game? Like no, how, how do fighters do that? Do you have to make some shit up or no? Absolutely not. It's I kind of. um. I'm not really like an angry person and I'm not really like, I don't think I'm a dick, but I am, I do have a, like a natural. We'll need two other me. references, two other sources to confirm. Or deny oh, okay. That. Well, <laughs> well this is my in the show. <laughs> but um, no, I think that I am naturally very competitive for one. And two, I think I just do have a natural proclivity to like be physical, you know, to be like, want to get my hands on things. And it's not, necessarily always to hurt things but i think i just like like the i like the 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 whirlwind and the i don't want to say the chaos but you know like the the heat of the moment um so to kind of like course correct what i had to start doing was thinking about i had to simulate it in training i'd simulate instead of treating every round as just another round where i'm trying to get my work in i had to simulate and think every round was the first round of a fight so i had to as soon as the round started boom pop like get ready to rock and um <clears throat> I so think role that, play there is some role play you role play a little bit but it's not so much like i'm not thinking okay well this is the specific person that i'm gonna fight whenever the round starts it's for me it's always for me so steve you're in the cage uh they just read your name it's locked uh the ref is getting ready to point at you both he points at me are you ready to go are you ready to go and then let's go and that's me that's my time so it is it is like a role play but it's less like um less of a it's I'm not trying to make it a I'm not trying to make it a situational thing. I'm trying to make it a reactionary thing. So like as soon as for whatever that amount of time is on both ends of it, it's the whole time is violence in the middle. Do you think you're getting better at that? Can you train that? Cultivate Absolutely. that? Yeah. I do. I think I really feel like my last especially my last three fights <clears throat> have been like a, a marked um like a, there really is like a, a marked difference in my last few fights. So whenever I had that talk with my coach, I really, it really was like kind of an aha moment. It was like, he was like, well, Hey, look like that's, that's not something you're going to just wake up one day and be better at. That's something you have to make a conscious effort to improve. And I really feel like from that point on, it was, and I'm not, to, not to say that I'm perfect at it. It's definitely, it's even looking back, I'm like, oh, man, these in those last few fights, there's points where it's like, man, I could have done this better or that better. Not just on the technical side, but on like the, uh, the like the performance side of it, like on the how I came ready to to perform. Is it an alertness? Not even really so much that. It's more for me. It's more like 
not in alertness, but it's more of a like being in touch with my myself in a moment kind of thing. And I, I think alertness, you know, it's not that it isn't alertness. It's more just like presence. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to feel it. You know, you could think you're really, really alert and really aware. And then someone just hold a King Cobra in front of your face. And then you'll be like, oh, shit, I wasn't really aware because now I'm fucking really right. aware. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like be- realizing that you're in the ring with like a dude who's trying to kill you. That's what I was thinking. Like okay. somehow, somehow like you have to make that that has to become like a a, a reality. Like I heard someone say the other day, there's no reason to be- fear death. But man, fearing death is kind of like a it's such a cool drug. Yeah, it's such, it's such a. a it's right? such I mean, a like tangible part of the human experience. No, yeah, it's like that's why we go on roller coasters, right? That's why, why we go up to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Right. You're <laughs> trying to get a girl or avoid dying. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is like you it's such a <clears throat> it's such like a it's such a breathable part of like what it, it is to be a human being to know that like you're gonna be born and you're gonna die, so you might as well live in the middle. <laughs> you think that's part of the reason why you fight? part of it no doubt and then like i said so like competition's a big part of it um but then a a big part of it too is just like you said is because it's you know it's like one of those things that's exciting and it's scary and it's it's fun it's kind of like i kind of dread it a little bit it's this weird mix of like all these different these different you know what emotions and it's like it's just so it's just so beautiful and real and it's very I just feel so alive whenever I do it. You know, you you said something really smart in one of your interviews. I heard people are going to be like, yeah, oh. probably the first and only time, right? <laughs> <laughs> people people are going to think it's not a big deal, but the reason why it is a big deal is because you acted on it. If you wait till you're 35 and decide you want to fight, you've you've there's you will not. I don't care what anyone says about age not mattering. Age matters. It it is too late. It is too late to be the best fighter you in. in that you could have ever possibly been if you if you wait till you're 35. I'm not saying if you decide when you're 35, you shouldn't try. But basically in the interview, what I heard you say is, is like, hey, I knew that I didn't want to turn 35 and, and say, oh, shit, why didn't I fight? Mm-hmm. And um, can, can you tell me about that? Like how, how old you were, how, how long you've been fighting, and, and <clears throat> was that a tough decision? No, well, was, was it a tough decision to decide to fight? No. Yeah, so, yeah, just just kind of kind of the whole thing. I'll give you an example. I do this podcast and I'm 49 and I still get get uncomfortable like when I start talking about cock and balls and making your mama jokes knowing my mom and dad are listening. Meaning that there's an outside pressure in the world. There's to chase your dream, there's all of these things you have to like disregard for a second and be like, "Dude, it's me." Yeah. Like your mom and dad, I'm assuming for sure don't want you fighting. No, no mom and I'm guessing no mom and dad wants anyone. I mean, you're fucking there um you're their uh, pinnacle of creation, right? You're their Sistine Chapel, and now it's sure. going out there and letting other dudes hit it. No, thank you. Yeah. Just for an example, um, like how do you break through and be like, "This is I'm. This isn't going to be what I'm going to do." Well, um, to give you some insight into to my life, it's interesting we're talking about like Dalton and I because like just how how I don't they're not like opposites, but they are different. Um, right. My upbringing wasn't so much marked by like. I need to find love and acceptance so much as it was. I need to find meaning. You know what I mean? I didn't really have anything until 
fighting. And it's not to say I had, you know, I had friends, I had like, I had family, my parents loved me, all that happy, whatever. But um, I didn't really have anything that like lit me up. Like when I woke up in the morning, it was just put your clothes on, go to school, wait for the weekend, hang out with my friends. Fighting was for me, it was the first thing I ever had in my life that I was like, I can't fucking wait to do that. And it was like, even before I had done it, which is crazy. Like I said, I, I, if I knew what it kind of like, I knew that it existed, but I didn't really know much about it until I read about it in a magazine. And I just, something about it spoke to me, spoke to me as a human being. And I was, it just instantly needed to do it. And it was like one of those things where it was like, um, it chose me more than I chose it. Does that make sense? Like I couldn't keep myself away from doing it. And it was like, um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's probably more examples of this. Like if you, especially if you asked her, but with my mom, it was a thing where it was like, as a kid, generally I did as I was told, I followed the rules. I, yep. you know, I mean, whatever, but fighting was the first thing that it was like, um, both my parents are first, but then for a much longer period of time, um, my parents were like, yeah, this, this probably isn't for you. Maybe you should find something else with your life. And with most things, how, how old were you when you had that conversation? Uh, like 17, 18. So you had already expressed you're living at home and you'd already expressed that you, you want to do some fighting and your parents. Oh yeah. It was terrible. It was tough. It was really tough, especially cause, um, my, this is, you know, around the time that kids are getting ready to, you know, pick what they're going to do with their life. You know, they're getting ready to go to college they're getting ready to go to a trade school or, you know, I mean, whatever, start working, join the military. And for me, who, like I said, I came from an educated household. Um, for me to tell my parents, not only do I not want to get an education, I want to stay away from getting an education and I want to do this fighting thing. You know, it was it was as if I'd given them both a big middle finger, especially the way they reacted, and told yeah. them, like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. <clears throat> and as is the case, um, I just ended up being, you know, successful at it. It was something that I... I knew right away that if I worked really hard, I probably could be successful. And um, it's not that it didn't, I didn't have my snags along the way. Um, So especially what made it tough was at the beginning, my, my mom for such a long time wasn't supportive. Um, And it was hard because it was, you know, how long, how long, how long, how long, Steve? What do you mean? How long was she not supportive? Uh, Not until like two years ago. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So, so three, six years of, Six, seven years. Okay. I mean, maybe like eight years, like really okay. until. And now she's just faking I, it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Not even her faking it. She would tell me like, you know, whenever, but whenever you're ready to go back to school or blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, it just, it, it broke my heart. Like your mom, the, the woman, yeah. Who, yeah. the matriarch, the person who kind yeah. of sets the standard for what women should be in your life. And here she's telling yeah. me like, well, that thing, Hey, that thing you really like to do more than anything else. Don't do it. I want you to do something else. Yeah. And what broke my heart about it was it was like, well, look, mom, like, you know how hard life is. Like, you know how hard it is to get out of bed every day, do something you fucking hate. Like, I finally have something that I'm in love with. Like, yeah, you know, not to turn this into a Freudian therapy session. No, this but, is so good for people to hear, man. This is, yeah, no, this is this is true coming of age shit. No, for sure. And it was that was like for me was always the hardest thing about it was I was like. Not so much. I mean, the fight, fighting in it, in and of itself, competing, getting better, training, all that is hard enough. But for me to not have like the one person that I was like one of the only people that I really needed the support of to not have her like fully, hey, babe, you can do it, you know, whatever. And it's not that she wasn't like 
actively trying to stop me from it. It's just that it was, you know, in my head and in my heart, I was like, why are you like, why are you not really here for me? So it's like, she was happy when I won. And you know I mean? She would, she would uh, be happy to hear if, you know I mean? Whatever things were going well, but there always was this steady, like undercurrent of, I was waiting for at any time for like the ball to drop, you know, or the floor to come out from underneath me and say, well, you should have gone back to college. And that in a weird way motivated me, but it also was very difficult. <clears throat> Caleb, did, um, are your parents, did your parents freak out when you joined the air force? No, it runs in our family. So they were just kind of like, Oh, you cool. just had, you just had bad parents who didn't love you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> They're sense. like, get out of my house immediately. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Some parents are like so proud of their, I wonder if the kid, parents are really proud of their kids who joined the military. You're just, you're faking it. I mean, I would be, part of me would be obviously so proud, but the other part's scared to death, right? Yeah. You just don't want your kids being hurt. Yeah. My, I think it was a little bit of both for my parents. Like are, my, are you close to being deployed now? Probably. Yeah. Over to Europe. <clears throat> Who knows? Shake, break bread with the Russians. Uh, <laughs> I hope go. everything's, I hope everything's okay. What are you? What's your ethnicity, um, Steve? Uh, English and Irish. Just a good old fashioned goofy white boy. Um, I, I grow, growing up, I'd always hear this thing about short man's complex, you know. And then as I got as I got older, especially like into my 40s, I realized in um, there's I, I don't know if it's a true term, but I call it I call it tall man's complex. Maybe it's just part of short man's complex. But the tall guys I've known in the projection in my, of the short man. That's well, the, that's the true <laughs> complex. <laughs> yes, probably um, the the, um, the the tall guys I knew, especially in the workplace and maybe just because we're, we're in such a soft era for humanity, period. But the tall guys I know were really sensitive and couldn't they're, um They weren't picked on enough as a kid. No one, no one picked on them. And so they don't have thick skin now. Um, did, did you experience any of that? Like, yeah, like, I, would definitely like say life? I would definitely say I'm emotional and sensitive. My, you just ask about pretty much anybody, but I don't know. Part of that, part of that too, is just how competitive I am. I always feel like I have to get the last word in. So somebody will say something and it'll be like, Oh, you think you can fuck with me? And then before I know it, we're trading insults back and forth and, did you know, did you used to sit around in the seventh and eighth grade and do these things called like cap sessions? There'd be like a, we called it capping. I don't hear that term anymore, but like 10 dudes would get together just like under a tree or in a, in a room somewhere. And it's just, everyone just insults everyone. You just take turns, just insulting the fuck out of each other. Did you ever do that? I thought that friends? was just like hanging out. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, um, there's, um, People just like you because you're. Well, let me go to this. I had I had Great Danes and and I was a crazy stoner. Uh-huh. I don't smoke weed I had anymore. Four of them. Sorry, to you interrupt. did. I had four of them. Throwing up. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No. Holy shit. You had four simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So we had we bought two. I mean, while I was way younger, um, uh-huh. we had two, and then both of them had a litter of puppies, and then we kept one of each of their puppies. We also had a we had a golden retriever before the Great Danes too. There was a time when we had five of these big dogs <laughs> yeah they will did they destroy your yard with urine Absolutely, they destroyed everything if they're just big and like i mean kind of like uh an interesting animal pejorative or, or not pejorative an animal like my animal version of myself just big and goofy and friendly but they fucking break everything i don't know how big they are 
Yeah, and they're they are kind of they're goofy, but they're wonderful athletes. I had three great names at the same time, and yeah. I, and I was making a movie, and I left him at my mom's house to take care of. Which you no one you you should never. It's so dangerous to leave three great Danes with a woman who's five foot tall, hundred pounds. But anyway, they peed my mom's um, yard to death. They just they, they just hosed it down with everything. urine and killed and just killed everything with urine. Just I mean, you can't imagine. Do you remember taking them out in the morning and they would pee for like two minutes straight and you'd oh, be absolutely. like, absolutely, holy would like, shit! They take it's a nuts. dump and be like this big. Yes. Yes, it's crazy. Mm. Man, they're great dogs. Um, but but so I was a, I was a stoner and I was in college and I had a Great Dane and I it became a point where like I didn't want to walk. I it was a conflict. I didn't want to walk my dog or I had to stop smoking weed because I I just hated all of the attention. You cannot fucking go anywhere with them. I can't just go to the store and buy a six pack with and walk mm. with my dog. Twenty people are gonna want to talk to you, and it's mm. always dudes. It's always dudes. There's no like hot chicks like, oh, beautiful dog. It's always like dudes like, damn. Um, is it like that being six eight? Like everywhere you go, is everyone just like, yeah, looking absolutely. at you? I, I get asked if I go out to go show. If I'm out for, I would say, at least once per hour on average, I get asked how tall I am if I'm going somewhere. Wow. Um, Caleb, what is the, how many, what person, what percentile is he in at six, eight? I one time looked at five, five. I think there's like only 12% of the population of men is shorter than me. And if you go to five, four, it's really fucked up, but like, I don't see people shorter than me and I'm not, I don't even think I'm short, but like when I see a dude shorter than me and I look down, I'm like, Whoa, that's weird. I, um, do you ever see dudes taller than you? Occasionally? Yeah. And I had, I had a good friend that was taller than me. That kind of like upset the natural order of my life because I was like <laughs> the only dude I ever really felt like I I looked up at him and he was you know so like seven foot so he's sig- like significantly wow. taller than me and yes. just to look up at him was like you know challenged everything that I'd ever come to know and learn about myself. I don't know the validity of this, but it says less than one percent of people are taller than six five. Yeah, it makes total it makes total sense. Wow, all of a sudden I feel normal compared to Steve. Because I you just don't see people. Like I I don't see someone if I look carefully I could probably find someone who's my size or shorter every day if I looked really hard. I do not see anyone who's 68 in my town ever. Ever ever ever. What town is that? I'm sorry. I mean I mean to ask. I'm in Santa Cruz, California. Okay. Yeah. Be, Where be are good you? Good for for all the damn vampires, right? Yes. Oh wow, look at you with your movie. <laughs> you're too young to know that movie no i fuck with movies i uh movies are one of the the great passions of my life um Do you i mean know movies talking about it? caleb i honestly have no idea now what movie is it the lost boys yeah man that's a great movie damn that's I, old you you live in florida yes i live in um fort lauderdale or more accurately plantation so like 45-ish minutes north of Miami. When, um, and girls like you because you're tall. Uh, I got a little bit more attention probably than your average bear. Uh, I would like to think it's because of my devilish good looks and um, <clears throat> charming personality, but I'm sure being tall helped. Yeah. I mean, it's the natural, it's the natural order of things. If you're, I believe, whatever the fuck that means, that's just like, God, that's just a horrible talk. But anyway, let's just go with it. The natural order of things is a woman would want a tall man 
because she wants to have big babies because big would survive better. I mean, it would mm. just, I understand you love me for superficial reasons. I'm perfectly okay with that. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know, but I, I've lost out to plenty of dudes who I was like, man, what the fuck? What does he see in him? <laughs> like I said, that's not even me factoring in the fact that I'm tall. I'm just like, man, that dude's a fucking dork. Do you have red hair? No, I have fucking blonde hair. <clears throat> okay. It's just it's just the lighting. It's just the yeah. And then I have a, I have it propped up. I got my daughter a teddy bear and it has like a big red bow, so it's probably like bouncing off that. Are um you have you have a fight coming up, but you haven't announced who? Yes. Um uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it yet. But okay, there is something wait, this spring there's something going on. And how does that happen? So T -t Tell me like you're you're at the gym and you look down at your phone and there's a text. Tell me like how fights happen in your world. That's pretty close to it, actually. Um, usually it's like a thing where um, I have an agent. So what, generally what happens is the promoter will be in touch with the agent about how they want me for an upcoming event. The agent will tell me I'll verbally agree yes or no to it. And then I get sent a bout agreement, which is just a contract to fight. <clears throat> so um, this fight was pretty standard in terms of that. I you like a business deal. Normally, you know, you just you you verbally agree to a business deal. You work out the kinks and then you, you know, make it official with a piece of paper. And. Um, do you have any say? Do you have any say in who you fight? Like, is is the person that they've chosen someone that you've had put feelers out for? Sometimes, and that's it's it's all very fighting is much more of a uh, it's like this interesting game of chess. Not in the sense like not in the microcosm sense that like every fight is a a physical chess mess, blah blah blah. But it's also this very interesting game of chess where like the farther along I learn, the more people the more people pick their opponents people say yes or no to certain types of people at certain times and um you know the general uh the, it it tends to be looked upon as cowardice but it like the more and more i go the more and more i see that it's like it's sometimes it's business sometimes it's like personal things sometimes it's you know like just things going on in people's lives at certain times it's like this this whole interesting thing that i'm learning about now that like you can leverage certain dates and times and certain opponents and certain, you know, it, it goes on and on and on forever. And it's not even just stuff that I've experienced, but you know, it's stuff that I've seen too. And it's some of the best fighters I know. They're like, well, yeah, I turned this down at this time because this, and then even in my own like personal experience, I've had times where it's like, well, it's like not the opponent, but like the date of that is messed up or like, okay, well I'll take that opponent, but I want more money. And it's like, it's a whole thing. But you know, I mean, just just as it's been laid out, yeah. Generally, promoter calls your your representing liaison. They call you, and then you say yes or no. Then you put it on put it on paper, make it official. What year did you turn pro? Two thousand sixteen, like the end of two thousand sixteen. I think it was August two thousand sixteen or September two thousand sixteen. So you're averaging two fights a year. Yes. Is that what you want to be doing? No, I want to do probably like three or four. Oh shit! Especially right now. Um, <clears throat> that was it. You know, I mean, I've had some things just along the way that you know, obviously, is, I like just like I said before, some professional, some personal things, professional things, business things. Sometimes you get hurt. 
But have you been hurt? Have you been, have you had any injuries where you're like, never, I had one serious, like the closest thing I guess I've ever had to like a serious injury. I broke my toe on my, my right, my right pinky toe. And it was very like, it happened at such a weird time in relation to the next fight, because it was like one of those things where it's like, okay, well I can't take the proper time off to let it heal and then take the fight anyway. But like, I'm far enough away that like maybe if I give it a couple weeks, it'll bounce back. But then I went and I got the x-ray and it was like the, the pinky toe itself. If this is the, if this is the foot, if this is the foot and this is the toe, it was like this, it was like Ah. broken in half and then like it slid. It was like, it was a whole thing. And it was, you wouldn't think that would bother you too much. Huh? Do you know how it happened? Yeah. I threw a kick and my pinky toe hit somebody's elbow like this. And my foot, I think kept going and my pinky toe stayed. It just like popped and slid. Oh, um, what, what about, what about maintaining that undefeated streak? Is that part, is that now that you're 10 and 0, is that part of, as you choose going back to what we were talking about before, as you choose your opponents, you're like, okay, I need to make sure that I stay undefeated and like not, and not necessarily run from fights, but take fights that are in my, people who are at my skill level. Not really, to be honest with you. No, just um, fight anyone. Just fight anyone. Is this a, that's the thing. It's like I'm at a point in my, my life and in my career now where it's like well, now it's really time to like test myself. So it's like I really made it a point these last um, these last like three four years to to just say yes. And like I said, it's it's not to say that like I haven't passed on opportunities or maybe kind of like set, you know been a little bit cautious. But I definitely made it a point to be like okay, like let's let's see what we can do to make this happen. As opposed to, you know, like your first couple of years, you are, most people are generally pretty picky. And then, um, but like, like to, to build on what you said, no, like the, the undefeated record thing is like, I really feel like it's a myth, you know, like even the guys that have, <clears throat> that are, you know, undefeated are guys that, you know, I mean, they might have had help along the way or they, they had fights that were questionable or they had, you know, whatever. Like you look back and you see, the some of their fights you're like i don't know if you won that or kind of thing and even even the guys <laughs> that do make it out truly undefeated even those guys it's like there's always blemishes on their record you know what i mean so for me it's i don't really know if i'm as attached to an undefeated record as i am of leaving a legacy of just being a bad man behind me you know what i mean like i want to be i want to be known for being violent and effective and just being the slickest savage and most skilled fighter you've ever seen um, you move really well for a big guy. You move really well for a guy. Period. You do not move like a guy who's six eight. And your and your endurance, your metabolic capacity is great too. I never saw in all. I watched probably five of your fights in the last two days. I never saw you gas out. I never saw you move goofy. It's kind of crazy, right? I mean that that is a problem. I, sometimes I see people who are so tall that they when they walk they lift their leg. You, like, you know, how, like we walk, we lean forward and catch yeah. ourselves. Like they walk like. Like they lift their leg up, like how like a, uh, like a uh, yeah, <laughs> like or yeah, or like how a crane walks or a uh, yeah, um, yeah. A great blue heron. You like those like giant birds that's like stepping over grass. Yeah, like you're stepping over something. Um, do, do you work? Did you work? Do you work on your movement a lot? Are you? Is that you're like God? I don't want to be that guy who's six eight who moves like I'm fucking seven twelve seven eleven. Yeah, I mean that's part of it, <clears throat> and I think that my coaches especially really hold me accountable, like for not. They don't want me to be just a another heavyweight there especially my especially my wrestling and um head coach 
Yeah, Great your ground game's nuts for a big dude. You don't see that either too often. Thank you. Um, my wrestling coach especially <clears throat> makes it a point to to not have me move like a big fucking goon. And then my my striking coach, we've kind of like evolved. Or that's Henry right there. We've kind of evolved over the years in terms of like uh, the different things we would try and do. But the last, I would say, year and a half especially, he's made it a point to um, – just not be another big guy to just to be somebody that's dynamic and athletic and can do can do things that you know generally most people don't do something's happening to that division i think let, let, let me go back a second here do you think that when you look at um heavyweight fighters and you see their physiques do you think and for those of you who don't know um uh, uh steven's 10 and 0 he's in bellator he's a heavyweight he has a very very nice body he, he looks like he could be a fucking lifeguard He's, no, he's thin, broad shoulders. Yeah. Good lats. I mean, he's, 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 he does not look, but do you think that the fact that we see so many fat heavyweights, that's indicative of where the talent's at that like flash forward 10 years and we will not see that like that, 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 um, it like, it seems like, Hey, the, like you look at someone like Ty, right. Ty, who fought last night. Yeah. 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 And, and you just think he's a heavyweight because he doesn't want to lose the weight. That's the thing. Ty, um, Ty's fucking sick to watch. He incredible, um, by the way, incredible athlete. Not to take away from him at all. Yeah, but, it, but but he wanted to be a fighter, and he landed in the weight class he was in. Where the rest of us who are at home in my living room watching were like, "Dude, you're in the most dangerous sport in the world. Why don't you get in better shape?" I mean, that's, that's like, you thing. know what I mean? I think, especially, um, I don't know if I'm being too uh, exemplomatic or like, I don't know if I'm focusing maybe too much on Ty. Uh, but I'll I'll digress to answer your question more broadly. Ty, is that a really real word is, he just used, Caleb? Exemplomatic? Is, is, is that because mm. his dad's a teacher? Did he just fucking school us? Exemplomatic? That's like it, focusing in on a specific example. Is that a word? It might not mm. be. I, I really like it. I'm going to use it. Okay. Hey, Caleb, you're cutting out there. Maybe don't talk for the next minute. <laughs> um, I don't want to. I don't want to focus too much on. Yeah, Caleb. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't want to focus too much on just Ty. But to 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 say specifically about Ty, I really feel like he doesn't have a choice. Like he is very gifted athletically, and I think even if he was, at, you know, like your low body fats, like 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 yours truly. I don't know if he would be able to make like heavyweight. He's just so dense and his bones are so big. And like, I, uh, I met him in person one time and his fucking legs are like, like his legs are like my waist. It, he's fucking unreal. And like you said, it's, um, to, but to answer your question more broadly, it's, it's a thing where like, um, what we're seeing a lot at heavyweight now is we're seeing a lot of guys that fought at two Oh five who maybe they don't want to make the weight anymore or they can't make the weight. Or um, they feel like the level of opposition they face at heavyweight is going to be much lower skill-wise than it would be at, at their own natural weight class. So they just choose to go up and, and let their own athletic abilities carry them. And we see in the – It seems the, scary um, to me. It seems scary to me. But it's, that's the thing is like it wouldn't be such a – it's not preposterous because more often than not, there's some truth to it. You know, I, um, I see A good friend of mine, Linton was – Lint Vassell, a good friend of my training partner, was a guy. He fought at 205, and he it was just getting tougher and tougher and tougher for him to make the weight. And I think he took note of how he did against the he- the bigger guys in the room, the heavyweights. And he said, "Yeah, fuck it, why not?" And he went up, and he's on. He's like three and one, four and one at heavyweight now, and it's it's like 
just just to have seen it like myself like it, it wouldn't be such a ridiculous notion if i didn't see it proved true more often than false you know what i mean you're 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 29 years old you're how much do you weigh 230 235 to like 45 250 wow yeah. wow uh, when's the last time you weighed 205 my junior high school probably <laughs> and, and and how tall were you i was my junior year i was like six five okay so impossible to make 205 now Yes. Um, so I, we actually, when I moved to Florida, I was only like 2.30. And um, my coach, I was, I just remember being skinny. And it was like the game had an interesting, like, it, it was almost like it was totally out of control of that. Like, um, I thought being in Florida would be hot. I'd be losing weight, blah, blah, blah. But like my coaches and I were kicking around the idea of like maybe fighting at 2.05. But within the first like four months that I moved here, I went from like, like 228 to like 242 in like six months and it was just like just the natural you know I mean, what i was eating what i was doing in the day-to-day -day. i was lifting i was being serious about my lifting too um so it was a thing where it kind of picked me and then we we got to a point though even early where we looked at the numbers and i had i did a, a, a body composition test and it was like even if i were zero percent body fat I would have been something ridiculous, like 210. So I was like, okay, well, does that really make sense? Like to cut myself all the way down to that weight and then try to compete. And then the weight, the, especially then the weight cut protocols were becoming much more strict. So it was like, okay, well, no, let's just focus on being a heavyweight right now. I, I heard Ty in, a, in an interview um, yesterday say, or leading up to this fight, I heard him say, He's not here just to um, fight. He's basically here to, here to win. He's here, it sounds like he, maybe he even said to win a championship. I don't think he used that word. But here's the part that was weird to me because I had seen him in previous interviews. And he's like, hey, I'm just here to fight and drink, basically. And now something has happened in the last couple of fights where he's changed his, his, his mind, right? Mm. Or, 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 he's being, or, or maybe he hasn't changed his mind. Maybe he's just changed his story that he's willing to share with the public. We don't know what the truth is, but um, does have you had any evolution like that, or did you know from the beginning? Like, like do you like what is your goal as a fighter to never lose? To um, you know, you said you really want to be a fucking slick fucking machine. You want to be a fucking savage, right? You want to be mm -hmm. just like a weapon. Like, okay, set Steven in there and let him just destroy shit, right? What is the goal? Yeah, for me, it's like, kind of, if I were to close to what he said but more i don't want to win fights i want to fuck people up really bad and um <clears throat> not i know that like we talked about earlier like it doesn't come from a place of like it doesn't come from a place of like malice or you know whatever it comes from a place of like i want to be so fucking dominant that if you end up in a cage with me for that amount of time you leave with a little bit less of you after the fight's over and that's not like i said it's not like like I fucking hate that guy. I want to kick his ass. It's just, I want to be that, I want to be that far ahead. And you know what I mean? If, um, <clears throat> it doesn't look like for me, it doesn't look like for me uh, turning into a thing of like wins and losses. Okay. Well, if I win this fight, it means I dominated. What I want it to be for me is like, I was so fucking dominant and so violent and so far ahead of him skill wise and, and conditioning wise that who the the result was really just like a watermark on you know the the 
the piece of whatever the 15 minutes or 25 minutes that happened before that. So you, you sound like you're describing that guy um, who's from Russia. Now he fights 71 and 85 in the UFC. He's last four fight. Yeah. He picks the guy over and carries him and shows Dana like, look, and throws him. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No problem. I uh, give me fight. Yeah. Uh, it, it, hey, is it how, how, when you see that guy, are you impressed by him? Like, um, because as a viewer, as a, as a layman like me, there's an emotional um, and confident piece there that's like kind of mind-boggling to me. I can't tell if he's – is it a combination of being that good and that emotionally strong or confident? What's going on with him? That's the thing. He's such like a um, – Or do we just a, not know? Some people say we don't thing. know, but I think he's going to destroy Usman, me personally. Um, well, he has to get through Gilbert Burns first. I think Gilbert Burns is going to kick his ass. But, okay. Okay, but um, do you train with Gilbert? Just let's yes. find out. Gilbert gave ah, me my hi, ah. <laughs> what, what does that have to do with anything? I can't. Nothing, I can't nothing, just take Gilbert. I can't sorry. just take I'm Gilbert. Sorry. By the way, say hi to Gilbert. He's got one of the best smiles in the sport. He probably doesn't want oh, to hear absolutely. that, but what a fucking gem of a man! Yeah. Oh, Gilbert's fucking amazing. Um, no, uh, Gilbert. Gilbert, aside from being my close friend, now is uh, yeah, and even though he's like my, he's like my coach now. Um. Gilbert and Herbert both. Herbert Burns. If you don't have it, if you haven't gotten a chance, I think you need to talk to Gilbert and Herbert within like two days of each other, and you could just see how just how like diametrically different the two of them are in their personality. Both savages, both fucking killers, but like personality wise, where I'm more like <clears throat> a Gilbert. Herbert's definitely the more areas. Gilbert's definitely the more like <clears throat> leveled out and like uh, matter of fact of the two of them. Um, but no, God, you look good there. About, that shirt's that shirt's dope, by the way, uh, that you're wearing yeah. in that. Oh, they make really good coffee too. And I'm not just saying like th- their their thing is that uh, it's the strongest coffee in the world, but it tastes really fucking good. I doubt it's better than Paper Street coffee. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, no, so um, going back back to Hamzat is yeah. Uh, his thing is, um, I saw this really funny meme that was like, <clears throat> Kamzad is evil Khabib and Ian Gary is good Conor McGregor. And I really ah. thought that was funny because like what made what made Khabib so interesting in the beginning was just he was so like, there, people didn't know anything about him. He came from like the hills of Dagestan and like didn't really have a prolific competition career, at least that we knew of before. And then he just burst onto the scene. Nobody could do anything to him. Um, and Kamzat's interesting and there's, it's similar, you know what I mean? He's like, has a very good wrestling background, but like, we didn't really hear anything about him until, you know, he's on the, he's fighting on these, you know, these regional circuits and not just beating people up, but like so fucking far ahead of them skill wise that they can't do anything to him. And what that's translated into now is that it's like, we didn't even have time to get to know this dude. And he's already beating up people that are, that are names in the sport. So no, that said, um, that's part of his, like, there's this weird, like, mystique about him, you know? It's not just that he's such a fucking beast, but, like, nobody really knows anything about him. We haven't even we haven't even seen him fight in his last four fights. Yeah, he's just <laughs> going in there fucking tooling people around and going home. Yeah. And so is that that's the goal for every fighter? Well, I don't know about for every fighter. I don't know. I mean, in a, in a perfect world, yes. Ideally, like that's what you do in every fight is you go in there and just blast people. But 
Yeah, because then those guys are kind of broke. Even if you don't break them physically, they're broken intellectually and emotionally. Some like, kind of, like probably seventy percent of the dudes that fight him go into the fight thinking like, "Well, fuck, like I just hope I make it out of here," you know. Like he fought the first time I saw him, saw him fight, he fought that guy who's like the number two in submissions in the UFC, Mez Mezkarat or something. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like I do. Um, and he just went across the ring. He just went across the ring and punched the dude in the face and just got on top of him, and that was it. It was nuts. Yeah. And I just think, but I've seen that guy fight since and win. It must be really hard when you lose a fight. So, like, so, so, did you watch the fight last night, Derek Lewis and Ty? Mm-hmm. I mean, I read about. it. I woke up and read the thing. We, my daughter's with her, with my my girl's mom. So, anytime we have the night off, I. I just go to sleep. I, I'll usually end up, I'll probably like watch it this week sometime or something like that. Um, have you ever retired someone? Like you fight someone and that's the last time they ever fight? I fought a couple people that haven't fought since. And I don't know if I would call that retiring them or, I mean, would in the, in the technical literal sense, yes, I guess. But like, I don't know. Because the, like last night, like Derek Lewis isn't going to retire. Like he know, like Derek Lewis was winning the fight. He was fucking beating him up, but that dude's just, Ty's just a savage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't think anyone's ever taken punches that the the kind of punches that Derek Lewis last night. Um, besides Ty, but um, did you ever hear the story? Sorry, off subject of the Derek Lewis walked up on a guy who was uh, burglarizing his car. Did you know that? I did hear about that. I heard about it. I didn't hear the whole story. Have you ever walked up on someone who's burglarizing your car? No, never. Somebody's burglarizing my car. God, you must be so scary when you're angry. I worked at. I used to work in the bars and the clubs, like <clears throat> doing security. Back back in uh-huh. the day, and that was always like something I had noticed was just a. And I'm not bragging; it's just that I'd walk into certain situations, and I, I there'd be like a noticeable difference in like the tone, whether it whether people calmed down a lot or people felt like they had to like puff up. And it was always for me; it was always like, look, like I'm I'm just here to do my job. This isn't never is a personal thing. Can we all just like move on with our lives? And it was just, it was amazing at how like how many people fucking like turn things into a situation where it's like personal and it's like, bro, I'm, I'm literally here to get paid and go home just the same as you're here to find some chick. Yeah. Or whatever, whatever, whatever it is you came here to do. Or dudes or dudes, meet dudes. Or dudes. Yeah, of course. Um, But the point is, uh, it was just, God, if you worked at a gay nightclub, you know how often you would get hit on? Have you ever worked at a gay nightclub? No. Oh man. You would, I got hit on a couple dudes in my time, but, but, Never again. Man, you would be, yeah, you could, man, you wouldn't get any work done. <laughs> All the dudes would just be at the door <laughs> staring at you. Um, why, why did you, why did you fuck with Nikki? How did that happen? How did, like, are you like, oh, I, I need to work on my game and I'm going to just go straight for that big old dude? Yeah, I wanted to test myself. Nikki, um, Nikki obviously did really well. Uh, he, he's another guy that, like, nobody knew about him and then he burst onto the scene and, and met with the ADCCs. Um, and he was a guy that, I'd, for a long time, I've been like itching to compete uh, in at a high level in grappling. That was like what I started off with wrestling and jujitsu. And um, the goal was obviously always to get into fighting or MMA. And Nikki was like the the Fury people contacted me about it, which was nice. I'd been bugging Gilbert about like, hey, can you like get me in touch with some of these guys that do the high level events? Excuse me. And um, it was funny after bugging Gilbert enough, finally somebody reached out to me about it in the way it materialized because um, 
I guess the Fury people had asked Stefan first because they were doing like a UFC versus Stefan. Stefan yeah. That was my Groove. friend who I was referencing earlier. He's Oh, yeah. that's that's your friend? That's the friend, yeah. So actually, wow. um Stefan and Stefan and I for a long time were good friends and training partners. I was kind of like his de facto jiu-jitsu coach whenever he fought Alexander Volkov. Um and uh not to say we were always, you know, very competitive in the room together. It's just that like I was kind of the guy that had to he picked me to be like, okay, well, you're gonna be my jujitsu guy for now. And I was like, okay. It was very nice. It worked out very well. Um, but anyway, they had tried to link up with Stefan to get him to do it, but he was in one, he's in the Netherlands. And he's like, Well, not only am I like not training seriously, but I can't leave the country. So he's like, But I got a guy that'll probably say yes. And then <clears throat> old Stevie Bear got the call. And so, so your phone rings and you pick it up and they're like, "Hey, uh, do you want to fight in Fury 3? And you go, "Sure." And then and then they tell you it's against Nikki Rodriguez. No, they told me right up front it was Nikki. So I was like, and that was that kind of had like sweetened the deal in a way because I was like, "Fuck yeah!" It was like one flat paycheck to compete against one of the best dudes in the world, and there was no, there were no real like time or. Um, there were no real obligations surrounding the event other than just show up and compete. And I think that's why I like the most about it. I was like, fuck yeah, I can do whatever I want leading up to it. I only have to show up the day before to weigh in. I can compete and go home. It was, it was sick. And I mean, obviously I didn't do, <clears throat> I didn't do very well, but the opportunity in itself is something I, I would do it every other week if I could, even if, even with dudes, you know, Nikki himself or Nikki's caliber is just so much fun. Like, um, Hell yeah. It was just so much fun and such a great experience. And I really feel like just having done that, I felt like there was so much I took away from that that it was, you know, it was, it was phenomenal. Did you get to talk to him at all? A little bit. He seemed like he was, especially before, he seemed like he was in the zone and you mean whatever. And then after we competed, I would have liked to, you know, sit down, hang out with him. I competed with, fun fact, I competed against Gordon Ryan years ago, like a long time ago. You could be related to Gordon Ryan now that I look at you if he would stop messing with his hair color. <laughs> What's he done to it recently? I haven't seen I him. don't know, but but he shouldn't dye his hair. I don't like it. I don't like his hair. I've seen I him on I haven't I follow him on Instagram, but I haven't seen it in a while. Um no, I competed against Gordon years ago. And I just remember like not to like toot my own horn, but I hadn't been that thoroughly outclassed in such a long time that like when I had competed against Nikki, it had like reignited that sense of how much more work there is to be done and you know how much more room there is for improvement. And um, yeah, it was just awesome. So I, anyway, like I said, I like Gordon. And even after I competed against him, I like to correspond with him. I bought a private off him a little while later. Um, and Nikki's another dude that I think if I'd spent some time with him, I really feel like there's a lot I could glean from him. And then hopefully stuff he could glean from me too, obviously. But uh, no, I didn't, I really had the chance to though. He, so I competed against Nikki and Craig Jones is in his corner. And then Craig Jones competed late in the evening. And I think Nikki was in his corner. So I think it was a thing where they were trying to get each other ready. And I didn't want to like, Hey guys, how's it going? My name's Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Are you in there ever being like, after the fight, do you tell yourself um, like, like if it, if this would have been a fight fight, I would have beat your ass. Like, is there any of that like story going on in your head? Like, Hey, this is jujitsu. This is one thing, but if we fucking get in the ring, you know, I'll smash you. No, because like I came into his world. You know what I mean? If he would have, if he would have, I'm not saying that he did this, but if he he had said something to that effect, I would have been like, yeah, look, like 
come on down to the gym, Stanford? Maybe, but no, <laughs> not even that. Like I definitely, if he would have challenged me, would I definitely feel like where I feel like he's that much better than me at grappling. I feel like maybe I'm that much better than him at fighting, but it's not like a thing for me where it's like, well, well fuck you. I'd beat you in a fight. For me, it's a thing where it's like, yeah, grappling is his thing. Like that's what he does, you know, full time. Um, and I was really, like I said, it wasn't a thing where it was like, I felt the need to, to like compare myself. Okay. Well, just cause you beat me here. doesn't mean I wouldn't beat you in a fight. It was for me a thing where it was like, let's really see where my jujitsu is at. And it's, we found out on that day, it wasn't at Nicky Rodriguez's level. Yeah. It's a trip. And and you guys, and you guys don't know each other. You come from two, I mean, you know, for those of us, at least who are into fighting, it is completely two different disciplines and you got in there. What was the what was the energy like compared to a Bellator fight? Much more relaxed. Much more like, um, like I said, it was. I'm not taking anything away from Nikki. Nikki was a much better grappler than me. But for me, I was just so much more. There was so much less pressure surrounding the event uh, because, like, the result. I don't want to say didn't matter, but like, anytime you lose an MMA fight, you have to make a pretty significant pivot. You know, you have to really like. At least for me in an MMA fight, if I, you know, were to lose, I'd have to really come back and look at what happened, you know, in the lead up, just to address that. And even if it was a thing where it's like, well, I just had a bad night, you still do have to look at, okay, well, what led up to that bad night? What could I do differently? What didn't I do? What, what did I do? You know, um, with the jujitsu thing, it really was for me a thing where it was like, you know, fuck it, like let's just go out there, have fun. Like this dude's a fucking beast. Like let's really go out and see where I'm at. And uh, the result is just the result, you know? I mean, you said something interesting here. I want to come back to something that Nikki told me. But you said that after the fight, you look at what was the buildup to the fight and what could be better. What if there's someone in your life that's not helping you? Like, let me let, let me pose this at you. You're a fucking athlete. You're fucking a nine. Let's say you go back to when you were nine and oh, you're fighting Bellator. And the night before your wife wants to pick a fight with you about something like does she do. Do people in your know, life know that that's unexcusable? That like, yeah. and like I mean, people in your life know that like, hey, tomorrow morning I'm going in and fucking fighting to the death. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Don't talk to me about that right now. No matter how right or wrong I am. I mean, does everyone know to give you that space? Yeah, I so so. One second. We 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 accept dogs. We accept dogs. No, dogs. no, everything's. We we have a DEI council. Will you check with the DEI council? Do we accept dogs, Caleb? Dogs, <laughs> diversity, mm-hmm. equity, inclusivity. What color is your dog? What color is your dog, Steve? Before we accept um, it? here, I'll show you. Uh, we we we've reached our. Uh, uh... Oh, nice shirt! Wow, is that a picture of me in five years? Ah, yes, a brown dog. Yes, brown dogs are always welcome. Thank you. Oh, and then she's got a little bit of the the black back action. Perfect. I don't mean to be racist, but is that dog's name Juan? <laughs> no. That is, Dude, I'm having Han. But we do affectionately refer to her sometimes as Pepecita. Yeah, I see it. The brown. Um, We're having Hans Kim on the show next week. Do you know who that is? The comedian. I I do not know. Oh shit! I'm gonna send you a clip when we get off. I'm gonna text you. He's so fucking funny. Damn. Yeah, do He's a he's a he's he's Asian and he just rips on Asians. But but ever no one's safe. But I just absolutely love it. Okay. Um. So how do how do the people know? You re- you like, asked me something and I totally we totally went off the thing there. I, 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 about, about how do the people in your life know? Like, so your oh. wife has needs and your mom has needs, and I don't know if your siblings have needs, and they're emotional and they're strong needs, and they're like their recognition and your team. But 
listen, motherfuckers, tomorrow I'm going to fight and you can't say shit to me the week before. I don't care if you read my cell phone and seen I've been cheating on you for the last three years. You cannot talk to me about this the week building up to the fight. Like, do people in your life know That's that? That's the thing. I've, for a long time, so fun fact, I dated this girl uh, when I first moved here who was from where I was from, but lived in Florida. And the kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back in that relationship was she was picky about what I specifically said in a text and in, in that, like the word, like the, the order of the words in the text wasn't the way she liked it. Yeah. And so keep in mind, I got off, I was driving home and I called my, my best friend from back home and we we're talking, we talked to like, I get off at two and we got the phone, we got the phone till like three in the morning. So I go home, take a shower, whatever I crawl in bed. It's three 30 in the morning. She calls me and texts me four times in the span of like a minute about how like something like the way the wording is and like blah blah blah. And she's like, it was I just felt like I was being attacked. And it occurred to me in that moment <clears throat> that and maybe it was just the build up of the way the whole relationship had been, but that was like my aha moment where I was like, This is fucking unacceptable. It's 3 30 in the morning, and you're blowing me up about the structure of a sentence in a text message and i was just like this isn't gonna work like what am i gonna imagine i had a fight coming up and you didn't like is that is this you really be going on about this or would i have to wait till after the fight to have your fucking connect so i was just like i I, the next day we broke up anyway um yeah that's not professional that's not a mate of 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 a super high level person man woman and it was yeah and it was if anybody's gonna be a fucking high-strung egomaniac in a relationship it's gonna be me so. Yeah, 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 Toby. <laughs> I, I mean, it's whosoever it's it's whosoever turn it is to be that way. But you being with I, it's a topic on the show I like to bring up a lot, so people know if you want to be a mate with it for a great person, you two have to be great. You two have well, to be great beyond your expectations. Beyond like you cannot put you. You have to be great if you want to be with a great person. Yeah, I cannot have my fight. I cannot have my wife fight with me before I come on to a podcast. I cannot. No matter what. She has to like give me a kiss and be like, I believe in you. Good luck. And people be like, well, that's really weak or pussy of you, Sevon. Well, it's just the way I am. Like, I do not want any distractions when I come to do my fucking work that I fucking like I'm giving my life to. Yeah, for sure. And to be fair, my fiance is uh, fucking wonderful. And I think it is, I mean, pretty much describes what you just said is she's the type where like no matter what's going on or like. The, the, whatever the situation is, not just between us or between, you know, what's going on at the house or um, something like that. If um, whatever it is, more often than not, she's the type to, even if she doesn't come out and say it, she's the type to be like, well, hey, look, let's just put this on the shelf. We can talk about it later. Or you go deal with whatever you got to deal with. And then if, yeah. if I come to pick it up back later, I can expect her to, and I'm not, I mean, I can, I can expect her not because I force her to, but I can, can expect her because this is just the caliber of person she is to, to be the kind of person to look at whatever the situation was logically or rationally and be like, okay, well, can like, we talk about what it was we were actually fighting about and, you know, maybe. Oh, that. that's, that's always huge. No. And she, and it's part of it's her personality. She's, I'm more, like I said, the two of us, I'm the more, it was only half joke. I'm the more probably like high, strong and emotional of the two of us. She's more of the like, okay, but like I was joking with my friends. Like I knew she was the one because she felt like the type that if I walked in the front door, the dead body, she'd be like, okay, well, um, I guess I'll get the shovels out of the garage. <laughs> you know? We'll talk about how this happened and how it shouldn't happen again. 
or even or even should be like just whenever you're done digging the hole can you please leave your boots outside like that type you know <laughs> but, um, um, and, and she has to so when when you're with a fighter does she have to push that stuff let's say her like concerns about you obviously she loves you and no one wants to see anyone they love get hit is does she does she push all of that down i'm sorry what do you mean like let's say she didn't want you to fight would she just push that down no and that, that that's the thing is she would let me know and that's a, i think that's what i like about her is she's very good at like it's it's difficult just because of her personality i can tell it's difficult for her but she's good at like addressing the shit that you know I mean, like, you know the things that you're like i really don't want to talk about this i just don't feel like hearing this out right now she's the type that like generally she's the type, like i said that's probably why her personalities work so well she's really good at like she's interfaced with like the things that that are uncomfortable to talk about she's probably coming up to stab you that no no he, that, <laughs> that looked like a friend that didn't look like he was going to stab you he was oh, too young wesley. to stab someone that's, no that's wesley he's good yeah he'll stab me he'll, at least he'll stab me in my front right <laughs> <laughs> but um uh no um she's understands exactly how she feels about things it's just that her personality is more the type that's like okay how can we how can we deal with this as much as we can before we make it somebody else's issue and it's happened a lot where like I feel like she'll she will have already addressed something in her head and in her heart before she's like come to me about it. And it makes it easier for me because I'm like, well, you know, 80% of the time I'm like, oh, okay, we well, already know how you feel about it. You just needed to talk to me about it. And that was what was harder for her was talking about it, not dealing with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So especially kind of like to go back to what you said, like I we had this hasn't happened yet between the two of us, but like like the night before a fight or whatever, even in the lead up to a fight, like probably two, three weeks before a fight, when you know things are the most stressful, things are the most dialed in. She can be like that. That I know. Okay. Well, I won't have to like tiptoe around the house or be careful about what I say or do. Like if she really has something she needs to address, she'll bring it up and she'll know it's worth bringing up. Cause she's already thought about it. And if it's not, if it's something that she can, if she can just deal with without analyzing, then I know that that's already taken care of, you know? Yeah, man, you're lucky. I mean, that's, um, I, or, 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 or you made a good decision because that's, that's so huge. That is so probably huge. especially in your age, lucky. you're still so young. Yeah, no, it's, <clears throat> I, uh, I was very blessed to be in the relationship situation I'm in. When when I was uh, when I was talking to Nikki um, about just matches in general and jujitsu, I was always like, I would I ask him. I said, Hey, so when you go when you armbar someone, do you just pull to a certain point and then look at them to see if they'll tap or leg lock? And he says, No, I go in there just to fucking rip their arm off. Like it's their job to tap and stop it. I'm like, Holy shit! He goes, Yeah, everything is just break. Just I just want to break his arm off and basically just throw it across the room. Mm -hmm. um, you're a professional fighter. It, why risk why risk doing something out of your discipline with people who are i mean i'm assuming it's like that for you too i guess i just i don't understand that mentality obviously it's important to have but i'm assuming you have the same mentality if you would have got him in, in an arm bar your thing would be just to try to rip it off and it's his job it to tap. Me, yeah. for sure yeah. um yeah definitely i had a dream the night before that i submitted him and then obviously i went to the fight and got submitted but um <laughs> Um, 
but yeah. You know, How did you the, submit them in your dream? An arm bar uh, in yeah. Americana. Wow. And it was like just, and I woke up and I was like, today's going to be a good day. And then I got fucked up. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is, you're, you're so sure. I mean, you're so sure of your skills that it's it's not an issue to do something like that and risk getting injured because I'm assuming Bellator is more important than anything that could have happened. Um, yeah, in, it, in, I mean, there was definitely in WNR um, or whatever that was. That's I'm reading this book, and this is I don't really want to go too off the rails here, but like I'm reading this book, Basic Economics, and um, by Thomas Sowell, and he's like one of the uh, Chicago School of economist where he's very like dude amazing greatest guy ever should be a fucking national treasure no thomas sold um but he talks about in the book i'm on the i'm on the chapter i just finished it the other day where he talks about he's talking about um risk and it's not like the chapter isn't about risk but it's about investments and he's talking about like what risk is inherent and what risk is and how there's no such well my point is there's no such thing as inherent risk or proposed risk. There's just risk, especially when it comes to like, oh, hell yeah. Um, there's no such thing as proposed or inherent or actual. It's just risk. And he talks about how like in, even in investments, what makes risk in gambling versus a risk in an investment different is that in an investment, there's risk just because there's risk, right? Like it's there. Okay. You could, if I, um, you think about like a movie. Okay. Well, sometimes the production budget of a movie is $10 million. Your movie can make $50 million or your movie could make five. That's just risk. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to, to bring a full circle, um, with that match or the, the, what makes it different from gambling is that in gambling, you create risk where there isn't any, you you artificially produce risk to to um, incentivize an outcome, or what? To, in the hopes yes. that uh, whatever a different outcome incentivizes the what the the risk that you're creating. But anyway, um, with Nikki, it was a thing where it was like, okay, well, I did bounce that off my that, that did come into whatever the my my dashboard or whatever my my windshield. Okay, well, like, what if something happens? But it was for me, it was a thing where it was like, I think that the opportunity to go out there and compete and learn and like do something pretty cool outweighs, even if God forbid something terrible were to happen, I think it out outweighs the risk of that. And it, you know, I mean, it did, I can even looking back, like I said, I would do it every other weekend if I could. So I, I, I want to say something about Thomas Sowell for a second, for those of you who are listening, um, who, who haven't read Thomas Sowell or you haven't come across his work, the, the subject matter that Thomas Sowell speaks on is irrelevant to him of how great of a man he is. And I want to encourage anyone who hasn't read anything by him or listened to any audio by him to pick any fucking book you want that he's ever written and pick it up. And here's why the man thinks so clearly on subjects. Uh, imagine a metronome that just beats. And when you listen to him talk because or, or listen or, or read his content because he's so logical and his thinking is so to who we truly are, one plus one is two, plus one is three, plus one is four, mm. plus one is five, that you will start to see the world more clearly in every aspect of your life if you just read this guy's work. Everything from fucking God to how you tie your shoes will start to make more sense. How you treat other people, how you treat yourself, the importance of love. It all 
it, that one I read that one uh, recently. Civil rights, rhetoric, or reality? What is Holy what is that about? Crap. I mean, it, it's more just logic. So I'll give you an example of one of the examples he has. Like it will say, uh, there's this comparison between um, men and women and their salaries, right? And people yeah. always say men make more money than women. So he says, well, I wonder if that's true. Let's look at the factors. If you take a woman who's been in a job for 30 years who's not married and you take a salary of a man who's been in a job for 30 years who's not married, who makes more money? On average, it's women. Ah, so it's not – they're saying it's the men get paid more than women because they have cock and balls and that women have vagina and that there's a prejudice against women. No, no. There's other factors. The other factor yeah. might be that women get pregnant. There, there's it's the same it's the same thing with when they say when they say that there's a, a prejudice in the in the in the prison system because most of the people are black well no that's a correlate a stronger correlate is is that 85 percent of the people in the prison system don't have a mom and dad at home mm. ah so it's not skin color the stronger correlate is not having a mom and dad at home and so he he he's um they uh, violently objective and just just thinks clearly so not violent but like ruthlessly objective yeah yes i love it it's yes so the average salary of a of a jew in the united states is a hundred thousand more than a um uh um uh a puerto rican yeah. a puerto rican okay yeah. but the but the median age of a jew is 50 and the median age of a puerto rican is 25 well i'm 49 and i'm rich but when i was 25 i was homeless i get it of course, Puerto Ricans make less if they're out their average age is 25 in the United States and the Jews. Sorry, I'm like, I, Stephen, I don't like this, but you know, I love no, the fucking okay. guy. I fucking love him. Oh, it's just common he, sense. It's you can't be manipulated. He won't let you manipulate him with fucking lies. And I just fucking love him. He talked about, I just finished the part where he talked about um, how banks, they're saying that banks are racist against, they're racist in general, but they're racist against black people. And he said that, well, no, like statistically, Black people and white people are <clears throat> black people and white people are marginalized more in the banking system than anybody else. Asians are the ones that they put everybody else. And it's purely statistical in the sense that <clears throat> Asians, when they is and it isn't so much because they're Asian, it's because okay, well, if you talk about ethnic groups, they're the ones that they pay their loans back the fastest and you know, I mean, whatever is all of it. And he, he talked about like the men and women's pay raise, and he's like, okay, well. Men are this much more likely to die in the job. Men are, the, you know, I mean, all this stuff. It was like, it's not even. You can tell it's not even him trying to like no. defend himself being a male. He's just saying, well, this is the statistics. Like, can we take a hard look at that first? The the minimum wage one I thought was really interesting because minimum wage was like the one that people I think want to go to bat against the hardest. Like, no, there needs to be like a living wage paid. And Thomas Sowell did a really good job of illustrating, like, no, that doesn't really exist. What you're doing is artificially creating a system where <clears throat> you can't compete against other people in the workforce by artificially raising the, the floor to work. And it was just so like, he did it in such a way that was so easy to understand. Even like a fucking caveman like me could, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, we're, we're our society's being run by people who think that because when you eat cotton candy, it tastes good and you feel good that it's a proper thing to cotton do. Cotton candy is the best thing to eat. You know? <laughs> they think that that it's so because it's what feels good. It's nuts. But anyway, yeah, great, a, a great, uh, a fucking national treasure. It's a shame. I think he's like ninety five now. It's a shame. Ninety, yeah, ninety. 90. I, but my friend told me the other day he's the same birthday as him. Told me he's ninety. Crazy. Is your, how old your friend? Birthday my age <laughs> but he's you have the like, same birthday too caleb yeah as thomas sowell yeah i just oh, figured wow. that out wow 
Yeah, he's 91. What is it, March? Uh, June 30th. June 30th. Oh, way off. When's your birthday, Steve? July 14th. Oh. And then my daughter's the 15th. <laughs> oh, that's so, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I've got the same birthday as my dad, so that's, that's pretty Do you cool. really? Yeah. Wow. What was that nice. like? Did what I was see- like growing up? It's bizarre. Like it, it's just like a double party, basically. Really? Yeah, you guys you compromise on where to go to eat, but you just like or what you want to eat for dinner kind yeah. of thing, and then you just That's celebrate together. My <laughs> thing is that I'm my thing is even thinking ahead, I'm like, if it were a son, I think like by and large we'd mostly agree on things. And maybe I'm thinking about it too maybe I'm maybe I'm being a sexist. But uh Clearly. because she's a girl, I, I really want it to like no, I have to make it like her day you know what i mean oh yeah i think my dad tried to do that a lot too he was just like well what do you want to do for your birthday and i was like well it's yours too so we but when i was younger he was definitely more like he wanted to make it my day when i was a kid that's awesome i can understand that yeah dude it should be your mom's day i always think that like she pushed you out of her vag that day (laughs) it's your birthday how about fuck off how about buy mom a present my mom had uh my mom had six kids too so Wow. I think maybe once a month I should have a little celebration for my mom. (laughs) Are are any of your siblings as big as you are? Yeah, we're all pretty big. My, I think the smallest one of all of us is my, my oldest brother is like six, three. I think he's the smallest six, two, six, three. Somewhere somewhere there. My, my nephews, my, my, um, my brother-in-law's six, four, six, five. And my nephews are into motocross and in like, they don't. They don't want. They didn't want to be tall. Mm-hmm. It, was there any sports that you were like, oh, shit? I really wanted to do that. No, that's. A, I, I didn't really tall. have sports. wasn't part of my life really until this. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't have an athletic background or an athletic upbringing. So, um, my dad how, ran D two track. Sorry, my dad ran D two track in Edinburgh. But like, anytime he tried to put me in sports, I'd want to get out of it. So me too. So you gained all of your athleticism strictly through doing martial arts and jujitsu and wrestling. Just started wrestling one day. Yep. <clears throat> hey, you, was any part of that like, hey, I'm a big, I'm, I'm, I'm 17 years old, I'm a big dude, and I'm a pussy, and this is unacceptable. I'm gonna fucking get tough. Part of was it. There any I was of that? afraid that I was afraid I'd start dating a girl and she wouldn't like me because I couldn't fight. So that was like a small part, a small part of it, but that was part of it. Listen, man, I we had we had the author of fucking uh, uh what's the Facebook? We had Ben Mesrick on. He wrote. What was the Facebook movie? Uh, Social Network, but that's Social not the name of the book. Social Network. And basically in that movie, Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook to get pussy. And it's like, I just wish they, the, that's the premise that all human beings should know. That's, we that's would like be being so alive, much, right? <laughs> yes. We would be so much better. Like, we'd be Accidental so much better billionaire. People just knew that. We didn't have to dance around that. Accidental billionaire. Yeah. His most recent book. No, it's actually not even his most recent book, but I read Accidental Billionaire. Do you fuck with Bitcoin, Steve? Do I own any of it? No. Do I think it's awesome? Yes. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. What's Soel think about it? I've never heard him talk about it. Do you know? No, I have. I haven't heard him. Th- That's the thing is I think I'd be curious to know what the, the, well, so any, what I, if I do know anything about the, the Chicago school of economics is that they like, they like the least amount of government interference in um, finance and economics as possible. So, but that's where there's a marked difference between, so Milton Friedman, that's, uh, that's, uh, that was Thomas's, Thomas Sowell's, whatever, his mentor, instructor. 
the real Chicago guys, they want the least amount of government interference. The Austrian school, which is kind of what the Chicago school came from, they think there should be no interference. So, but I would think that by and large, yeah. And then remember Milton Friedman kind of at the end of his life, he like really popped during the Clinton administration. And it's because he, he pointed out that while Clinton is just the guy that's in office, while the economy is good, it's actually most of the things that were good were good because uh, Reagan had imposed them 16 years earlier. So there was a joke that he made on is this interview that he did or what the guy interviewing him and said, like, so you're saying that the good economy isn't because we're in the second year or the second term of the, the, the Clinton administration. You're saying it's because we're in the fourth term of the Reagan administration. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. And it was, he made a lot of really good points in that the GDP was high. Uh, unemployment was low. And it was because he peeled back a lot of the government's influence on the market. I wonder how true that is with every, with every president. I wonder how long it takes. It's interesting to think about. And that's, that's what I guess it differs a lot too. Like, like when they stopped that, um, Trump was building some pipeline and Biden ended it like on his first day of office, like in in like 10,000 people lost their jobs overnight. Like I, I, even in California, it it rippled to me. Like I, I met a guy who lost his job from it. And so I think maybe things like that are massive, but other things probably take a little bit longer. That was huge. That was crazy. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's such a weird, I, I read somewhere else too. And this, this might be can like, you imagine, totally so, sorry, can you imagine starting your first day of work and firing 10,000 people? Yeah. And not, and not, can, and not doing the thing that you said you were going to do for two years in canceling student debt. And I'm not saying I think you should do that. I'm saying like, okay, well like that was the one thing people were banking on and you didn't fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. It's just exactly. keep deferring it until man oh student de- the student yeah, debt that, thing is a real elf white elephant in the room what a fucking crazy number that is and the, it's like as if all that it's like well dude that was like the one thing people were looking forward to it's that and then it's like um are we like dude are we on the precipice of world war three like <laughs> how far hey, we've I, come from what the shit do you promise to what we're getting right now i wish they would tell the truth too I, I like when they say they're going to make city college free. I wish they would say, "Hey, we're the rich people in your neighborhood are going to pay for city college. Everyone should be really nice to everyone who drives a Bentley." Or don't say like, "We're not going to waive student debt. We're going to increase the tax on um, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, and they're going to pay off your student debt." I wish they would just this this notion that anything is free is absolutely yeah. ins- is in or that you're going to cancel something is absolutely insane it's like i use this story all the time but it's like that football coach who had his uh, record shaved off because he was involved in child uh uh uh, uh what's that called when you touch Joe children Paterno or the other yeah, yeah 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 the pedophilia they took off 300 of his wins it's like those things aren't even related do you think we're yeah. fucking stupid i'm okay if you want to tear a statue down don't take off his record like yeah. not because i give a fuck about him fucking throw him away kill him was, i don't care but i'm with you don't there. lie Pater- to us the paterno thing he's in pennsylvania that was a huge deal um when paterno because he was you know fucking like the face of for some reason coaches are like the face of programs and college football mm-hmm. and it's like it, it's weird that i think it's really weird that that's like the case but if you think about it it makes sense like they're like really the only permanent fixture on every team no matter how hard you look at it but especially that one it's like yeah joe paterno is a fucking douchebag who probably like caused a lot of hurt in these young men's lives but like 
Okay. Don't lie still, to us. Don't don't take off his football <laughs> record. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. It's it, yeah, it's, it's like yeah, it's take, just take a such, fucking statue down for sure. Like it's such idiocy. Mm. It's such idiot. It's such idiocy. I I, I know <clears throat> this is your show, Stephen, but I want to show you something. Um, no, I'm so proud that I'm so proud of. Do you, do you follow any CrossFit? No, they're oh. you're a CrossFit guy, huh? Yeah, I used to be an executive over there. Big shot. Oh wow. Big. Big shot. Yeah. Big swinging dick. Like I was the man over there. Like, I, like now, five so years ago, I wouldn't have talked to you. I would have been, I would have, you would have just, I wouldn't even talk to you five years ago. I, I would have, I would have, you swept me under the rug. I'd have waited till you're 12 and 0. What about, what about Nikki Rod? Nah, not even Nikki Rod. Not, not even not, Nikki not, Rod. Not, <laughs> not Nikki. Here's the thing. What's weird about <laughs> See, you and Nikki, Nikki Rod. I didn't really lose to begin with then, huh? <laughs> I, the thing with Nikki is I just, I, um, I mean, Nikki's just so sexy. He's like just, he's he. Did he have an aura about him? Not really. He was quiet. No. I, I, the vibe that I, I hate. I don't want to be that guy, that energy guy. But like the the vibe that I got from Nikki was much more serious than what I was coming at him with. Like he was definitely the type. He was there to fucking win, and I could feel it. And it was like, and now I'm not saying this is the, isn't the reason I won. I'm just saying that like. I was just so much more like I could feel it. I was just so much more like, yeah, whatever happens, happens kind of thing about it. And that's, I mean, props to him. Like, even if I would have, who's to say that even if I had taken it super seriously from the minute I took it to that point that I would have won, I might not have, or probably even statistic probably wouldn't have. But my point is though, that I was just like in such a good fucking mood, such a, I fuck yeah, I'm here with like, I had my, one of my teammates was competing. We had our other teammate there coaching us. It was just so like a lot of the fighters, the general consensus was like, bro, I'm getting paid a flat rate no matter what. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I was like that too. I was like, good. I'm glad it's not just me. They probably that just say that to take the pressure off themselves though too, right? I thought that too, but that's the thing is like some of the guys that were saying that still did really well, like submitted the jujitsu guys. So it was like, um, for me, you know, to, and like I said, I really, I'm not saying this to take anything away from me. I'm just saying that for me, I really felt like I was, I was like just so much more like, I felt like I'd already gotten everything that I was going to get from it, regardless of the result. But for him, I felt like yeah. he was so much more like, he was being so much more like analytical and methodical about the situation. <clears throat> and like I said, I really would have liked to talk to him just to get a sense of it was like, is this just who you are as a person? Or like, was it, was that how like seriously you were taking this or you mean whatever? Like, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I don't know. I still really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, get, I've had, I told him if he's ever down to Fort Lauderdale to hit me up and I'm not saying like, hit me up. We can train together. Hit me up. Like I'll fucking pay you to come teach me shit. Right. Um, maybe I'll have to, yeah, we'll get I don't a know if I follow him on Instagram or not. I'll have to follow him and tell him that. He um when I had him on the show three times this last time it was he was the the most easygoing I like to have him on regularly just because I'm just I I'm I love him but I just picture him and uh, there's no I have no evidence of this but I picture him doing three things training fucking and eating that's like I just yeah. that's I just think that, that that he just looks like a machine like yeah he, those are the, his needs and um and. Uh, I just, I just dig him. I'm fascinated by him. I'm fascinated by how he manages the pressure of what he's been through. He's super cool when he comes on the show. He's always, I always interview him and he's in a bathroom with his shirt off, like, you know, and I just love that. <laughs> that was what he was him. doing anyway. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's just like so he's so rad. So um, and then there's this girl I was gonna show you. So there's this girl in the CrossFit space who I think is like CrossFit's Nikki Rodriguez. And it's this hold girl it. on the right, Daniel hold Brandon. I gotta pee really can I pee in the Yeah, yeah, go pee. Yeah, yeah, pee, pee, pee. Okay. I can't believe it. So so we have Sarah on at um I have Sarah on at uh we have Sarah on at nine a.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's in twenty nine minutes. Yeah. And then we got Daniel Brandon on at 10. I cannot believe it. But I just see Daniel Brandon as the um, – oh, this thing already has 12 likes. Shit, I'm going to give it a 13th like. Hey, what's the rule? People say like you're not supposed to like your own shit on Instagram. I, anytime I make a comment, I immediately like it. Like, fuck you. It's I, my comment. Of course I like it. Yeah, I think it's more of just like a – I don't know. I don't want to call it a stigma, but like people just think you're a dork if you like your own shit. It's like well, I'm a dork. Like Fine, fine. I'm a dork. Who cares? Yeah, of course I like my own shit. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have written it if I didn't like it. Exactly. Uh, so we have a uh, uh, Sarah on, and then Danielle, S- Steve. This girl um, on the right, Danielle. These are both wonderful women right here. But uh, Sarah Sigmund's daughter. They're both two of the best fucking athletes in the world. Um, but the one on the right is Danielle Brandon, and I kind of think of I had her and Nikki Rod on the show at the same time, just cause I wanted to see what it looks like to have like the two sexiest people I know on yeah. the screen at the same time. Like I was like a scientist, like let's mix water and baking soda and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and she's so awesome. Her name's Danielle Brandon. And she, these two girls what color are coming shirt on. Is, is she wearing? It looks like no shirt and a tattoo. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I think but it's the green one, the green oh. shirt on the right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, what do you do? Uh, what do you do? What's the best thing that you can do? How, how is your engine so good? You're a big guy. You're supposed to peter out. I've never seen you peter out. What, what, how does your engine so good? Um, well, we're very good coaches. Um, my strength and conditioning coach, I think is the best coach and the best strength conditioning coach in the game. Um, Who is that? What's his name? His name's Dr. Corey Peacock. So I should have said that Dr. Corey Peacock, shout out to the Corey Peacock strength conditioning system. Um, He's he's a dude that I think his strength is a strength conditioning coach is that he's very in tune with the athletes. Um, I feel like over the years, I'm, I've been training with him for six years. And I don't see myself ever training with anybody else. Um, he's a dude that, yes, that's him. Um, he's a dude that he's very plugged into the athletes. Um, he goes above and beyond, not just um, being the best coach he can be, but he makes it a point to like really – get to know what it is we're doing on the day in day out. Um, and then uh, with him, you know, being the icing on the cake of everybody's, you know, day in day out training, uh, um, the coaches do a really good job of implementing a competitive environment <clears throat> and that competitive environment. I really feel like makes us give our maximum output. So the higher the output in training, the, the you know, the higher the output's going to be in the fight. Um, is there is there is there is there a movement you do that you think is is like the go to movement? Jumping rope, um, uh, burpees. Uh, is is there is there any specific like well, movement you do that's question. like that's out, outside of actually you know wrestling and, and, and MMA? Well, I fucking hate sled pushes since you, you asked. <laughs> so sled pushes and sled pulls or just sled pushes? Pushes. This is sled sprints. There we are. God, you look huge compared to him. Holy yeah. shit. 
and that's he's a big dude. He's like he's like probably six one, six two, probably like two twenty. A big guy. Wow. I'm gonna have him on the show just based on your recommendation. You need to. He's. I think you'd really like him. He's really cool. Yeah. He's the kind of dude that um, I would say probably ninety percent of our conversations are like pee and poop jokes, or we'll be we'll quote like we really like Steve Brule, so we'll quote Steve Brule back to each other, or you know stuff like that. And then the la- the other like ten percent, like he can he can flip the switch, and all of a sudden he's Doctor Peacock again. You know what I mean? That's a, it's a good quite quite the name, Doctor Peacock. Doctor Peacock, the cock doctor. Yeah. What kind of doctor is he? Is he like a chiropractor? He's, no, he's a. Um, is he an MD? A not an MD. He's a. Uh, I want to say kinesiology, but that's not it. It's the other PhD. Uh, he's a PhD and not not kinesiology. It's the other one. I just can't fucking exercise science. A PhD in exercise science. He's a professor at. Um, Nova Southeastern University. I bet you he has some strong opinions about CrossFit. They always he, do. He very well might. <laughs> they always know. do. Steven, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you for the last 96 minutes. And the fact that you took a yes. pee break, and that's usually me who has to take a pee break at 49 years old. You you really made me look good. So I just want to tell you that. It was, it was all the coffee I drank this morning, so. I'm going to, you are in my Google alerts. I will be following you very, very closely. Anytime your name pops up, there's a story about you. Um, I'd love to talk to you again sometime and, and, and stay close to your career. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I had a great time. Uh, Caleb cool. It was wonderful. Thank yeah, you. Caleb, yes, I want to talk about how much you talked in this show, Caleb. Far too much, far too much. Far, we'll we'll yeah, have a little meeting your afterwards. Your voice is going to be ringing in my ears for the rest of the day. <laughs> All right, ma'am. Thank well, you, yeah, brother. Uh, tell your, love tell your fiance thank you. Back. Yes, yes, 100%. Unless something happens to you. Well, even if you get addicted to meth or something, we'd have you back. That could be like a transformational <laughs> I mean, story. I did go, guys. Yeah. 